0: Hi everybody, to the inaugural episode of United Not Silence, the Our Voice podcast. Uh, I'm your host for today, Anthony Montarulo. I'm the head of uh, video content for the Our Voice organization. I'm here with Adrian Higgins, who is the uh, Reince Priebus of Our Voice. She's the chief of staff for the administration. And uh, former DNC chair candidate, uh, Air Force veteran, and founder of Our Voice, Sam Ronan. Hi guys, welcome to be on board. Uh, okay, so uh, basically what we're going to do here on the Our Voice podcast is we're going to uh, talk about some big happenings each week and uh, just kind of talk about them, give uh, give our opinions. Uh, I should say that all of our opinions are our own. They don't represent the Our Voice organization as a whole. So with that, uh, let's go through some of the news for the week. From the Washington Post, uh, House Republicans fall short and scramble for vote on a new health care proposal. House Republican leaders scrambled unsuccessfully Thursday evening to muster enough votes to bring a health care bill to the floor this week after the latest challenges intensified resistance among some moderates and key industry players. The compromise that moderate rep Tom MacArthur forged with conservative House Freedom Caucus brought the party closer to unwinding the 2010 Affordable Care Act, Giving it more support than it had when it was uh, abruptly uh, when it abruptly pulled measure last month from a planned floor vote, but shortly after 10 p.m., leaders determined that they still lacked enough backing to pass it. House Majority Leader Kevin McCarthy told reporters that we're still educating members on the latest draft. MacArthur's amendment would allow states to opt out of two of the law's central provisions, requiring coverage for essential health benefits such as maternity and preventative care and barring insurers from charging people with certain pre-existing medical conditions more than others in their general insurance pool. Uh, The changes run directly counter to what President Trump pledged during last year's campaign and since his election, uh, and many lawmakers from swing districts remain hesitant to endorse them. Both both the Affordable Care Act provisions uh, enjoyed significant public support, the amendment does nothing to alter the roughly $880 billion in Medicaid cuts outlined in the GOP's American Health Care Act. Uh, outside of the Freedom Caucus, Republicans who had opposed the American Health Care Act grapple with the revised text. Most were still opposed or undecided on Thursday. So, yeah, this is a total disaster. Uh, even worse than the previous bill. Uh, Sam, what are your uh, thoughts on this even worse version of the AHCA? I mean... It's a caricature of cruelty
1: and abuse of power cont- continued and personified uh, day after day after day. And what's worse is they're attacking people that are the most vulnerable. Um, they're attacking people with pre-existing conditions. And did I hear that correctly? Like women who are pregnant or going through maternity? Yeah, they're gonna,
0: They're trying to get rid of essential care because why should I as a man pay for a woman? That was their like, excuse in the deliberation. Like,
1: are you seriously kidding me? Let's continue to screw over women by not giving them the already abysmal maternal maternal care that they already get. Um, I saw an article, not you know, it might be a little old, but I'm sure it's been repeated time and time again, where a foreign couple gave birth in the United States and had a million-dollar uh, hospital bill. Like, are you, in, like that? That is ridiculous. That birth and death should be so expensive in our country is ludicrous. And the fact that we still have a third-party intermediary governing our health care costs is ludicrous. We are literally paying middlemen to raise our uh, medical costs and then still pay into it on top of that. And the men and women who are in office, the ones who are in power, the ones who we voted for, are going out of their way to screw over the most vulnerable people in our country. It's disgusting. It's despicable. And it's only going to make my 2018 congressional run that much easier.
0: Yeah. Adrian, what what are your thoughts on the... uh on this even worse uh, AHCA?
2: I I mean, I find it really funny that, um, of course, they don't want this bill themselves. They want to keep all the provisions that they want to cut, not um, not Congress have to uh, get cut. Um, (laughs) The other thing that I'd like to note for you guys is that um, if you're a woman who had any medical problems that... um, you know, went on maternity leave, um, like my, a good friend of mine, she has Crohn's disease and she had a baby and now she's dealing with the insurance company and trying to fight for the medication that she desperately needs. And she's sitting there waiting for the insurance company to improve, approve it for her. It's, it's ridiculous. I mean, I can't believe we allow these people to decide when we get care and when we don't get care.
1: I mean, and that's the truth. Like we're letting men and women who clearly have a complete disillusionment with reality decide the fate of millions of americans and again the ones who are most vulnerable like you said your friend does not have access to the care that she needs it's not that oh it's care that she wants or it maybe would be nice to. Have. no this is actual care that another human being needs in order to succeed in life to survive or to take care of their children it's just obnoxious
0: yeah and a couple things to note about this it they're really trying to, to hammer this through because uh, the CBO, Congressional Budget Office, is trying to rescore this current bill, which by by all measures is going to score even worse than the first bill, which which uh, CBO estimated would throw, I think, 26 million people off of their current health insurance. So they're trying to rush this out before May 7th. So if you're in a district with somebody who's on the fence about this, call call your representative because this this bill is like atrocious and cannot be brought to a vote before the new CBO score comes out, because it's going to be even worse and it's never going to get the support it needs once that CBO score comes out, which is why they're trying to ram it through right now. And I would take it even a step further. If they're not picking up, you need to be picketing
1: outside of their office because seriously, they're not listening to us. And that was the point that I made earlier in the DNC chair race. Our leadership does not give a damn about you or me or anybody else that might be listening. That's the problem, and we need to make it their bigger problem to be on our bad side than on the bad side of their donors. So anything we can do to make their lives miserable, keeping them up at all hours of the night and their staffers until they complain to their, uh, you know, their bosses, the more we can do, the better off we'll be. Believe that. So Anthony, you're absolutely right. We need to fight. We need to message them. um, If there's Uh, a directory phone listing that we can add to the bottom of this, let's do it because that's what it's going to take. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, And the other crazy thing about the bill is that there was initially a provision in there that would exempt congressmen from all the uh, cuts that that were within the bill. So they wouldn't actually be uh, denied for pre-existing condition. But people raised such a stink about that, that they took that provision out. So, you know, comp- like, protesting and calling them and complaining and all these things, it works. Like, raising your voice works. When you call their offices and tell them that you won't stand for this shit, like, they'll they'll listen. But you really gotta just take the initiative to do it. Um, you know, emailing and Twitter is great, but, like, actually calling the office is so much more effective because you talk to somebody in their office, they're gonna put that note into their... Uh, they're, you know, they're, they're congressman's hand. So that's super important. I mean, I could go on and on about this. Oh, yeah, I mean, sure. If we need to
1: switch on to another topic, let's, let's go ahead and do that. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, I mean, and we could talk about, you know, why we need actual universal health care, but like that's a whole nother, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get to there eventually on the podcast. I'm not, you know. All right. So on to the next story. Uh, this is from the New York Times. Uh, Obama balances civic minded side with the lure of a $400,000 speech. Uh-huh. Um, sounds kind of ridiculous just to say that out loud Uh, no you you should repeat it again but slower
1: just just because like I don't think people get it I think
0: the headline even itself is a little ridiculous I I, kind of hope the author meant it that way Obama balances civic minded side with the lure of a $400,000 speech okay so (laughs) two post presidential and this is again from the New York Times uh, two post-presidential Barack Obamas merged this week. The first was the civic-minded one, seated on a stage in Chicago where he talked about the importance of community organizing, and told a student audience that he had succeeded in politics because people believed quote, my values were not so different from theirs. Uh, the other was the one set to cash a $400,000 check from Wall Street, the same amount as his yearly salary during his time in the White House, uh, when he, delivered a spe- when he delivers a speech in September at a healthcare conference run by Cantor Fitzgerald, a trading and investment firm, uh, on Wednesday, Mr. Obama's spokesman defended the former president's coming speech, saying, Mr. Obama decided to give it uh, because healthcare changes were important to him. The spokesman, Eric Schultz, noted that Cantor Fitzgerald is a Wall Street firm, but pointed out in a statement that, as a presidential candidate, Mr. Obama raised money from Wall Street and went on to aggressively regulate it. Uh... we'll get to that uh mr obama will spend most of his post-presidency mr schultz said training and elevating a new generation of political leaders in america so um i want your guys thoughts on uh how aggressively obama regulated wall street during his time in office because i would I, i would take a little bit of an issue with the way uh eric schultz phrased that but um, you know I I mean maybe you guys remember but I don't remember a single uh, banker being prosecuted after the crash of 07 uh, or any kind of breaking up uh, the big banks or any kind of major Wall Street reform I mean I know they would tout um, uh, the uh, what, the Dodd Dodd-Frank. Frank dot Frank but by most accounts if you ask you know people who really know about those sorts of things it wasn't nearly enough to Put the reins on Wall Street, and we see with Trump now pretty much all that shit's just going to go away anyway. So uh, we seem to be heading for another horrible financial meltdown. So I don't know, what Adrian? What are, what are your thoughts on, uh, on on Mr. Schultz's statement and on just the fact that uh, a former president who you know ran on a campaign of hope and change and progressive policy issues? is now taking $400,000 speaking fees from shady Wall Street banks.
2: I'm I'm just going to go back to the 2016 um, campaign, you know, the Democratic race, and just say, release the transcripts. (laughs) (laughs) Like we used to shout at all those rallies. (laughs) I mean, I want to know what he was saying, you know? Um, You know, what what could you say that could possibly be worth $400,000? I really would love to know.
1: Hey, and... If I could figure that out, I would happily give a $400,000 speech because then I could give it to our voice and I could start fighting back against the the oligarchy and the duopoly. I mean, damn. Like, let's be real here. Yeah,
2: that's that's why you won't get that offer, Sam.
1: (laughs) That's true. I need to be a sellout first. Here, okay. As of right now, I'm a corporate sellout. I believe in the neoliberal policies and Hillary should have won. All right. Where's my speech money? Where's
2: (laughs) the
0: thing?
1: Is it? Nope. Done. Well, they actually,
0: they actually Bernie was on uh, at what I think like the View or something to, uh, today, and they asked him about that, and he's like, uh, "Yeah, I don't think uh, any uh, Wall Street guy is going to be invest- inviting me to uh, give a speech anytime soon." But uh, I'd, be glad, I'd be glad to take the money. I just wouldn't uh, help them out <laughs> with what they want me to do. Exactly, and
1: um, so I guess it's my turn to comment on it. Unless you were you were done, Adrian. I didn't. I don't mean to jump yeah. on you there. Okay, so. Anthony, the question was poised. What do I think Obama did about Wall Street? Well, he did jack shit. First of all, I am livid. I mean, for the most part, I try and give people their, their due credit. But at the same time, if you, if you screw up, I'm trying to keep this as, you know, PC as possible. If you screw up, you screw up and I'm going to call you out on it. And why... On God's green earth, did he decide to bail out the banks? They are the crooks. Why is the only one that got locked up? Ah, um, oh, geez. Right when I wanted to say his name, I forgot. Madoff? It. Perhaps. Yeah, Bernie Madoff. Yeah, right? yeah. He's the only one in prison. Why? Because he ripped off the wealthiest member society. But, hey, if you screw over the, the poor, hey, you're going to get you know a $20 million dollar check and an $8 billion bailout. That is horseshit. Now, here's another thing. People ask me, well, Mr. Ronan— uh, we've seen your economic policies, and you're full of crap because you clearly don't understand anything about numbers. I'm like, first of all, you're wrong. Second of all, the what we pay in our taxes, the reason why we have so much debt is because $1.5 trillion a year is towards corporate subsidies. Never mind the $500 billion that's being lost to offshore bank accounts, and never mind the $500 billion we're losing because of false tax claims, as in they're not filing enough. And, yeah, we could throw in not taxing churches and whatever FTT or something stands for. That's that, I think that's just a banking transaction. There's $3 trillion of tax revenue that we are losing each and every single year on a $4 trillion budget. 3000000000000 trillion we're missing. $4 trillion budget that results in, what, $300 billion in deficit spending? We could be at $2.7 trillion surplus. But instead, no, we're we're going to give 1.5 trillion dollars to corporations. Let me break that down for you. If you make fifty thousand dollars a year, five thousand dollars of your taxes—not of that fifty thousand, but well, of that fifty thousand—but specifically the tax dollars is going to corporations like Walmart, like frickin' BP, like all these other freaking companies that are causing problems. Papa John's and the banks, the. Uh, Um, J.P. Morgan Chase and uh, Wells Fargo. That is who we're paying in our tax dollars. So do I have a problem with it? You damn well better believe I have a problem with it. He did the wrong thing. And you know what? There's still time. There is still time to persecute those guys. And guess what? If there isn't, that's what laws are for. That is where you can legislate and pass new laws to do uh, reciprocal. no, um, re... There's a word that begins with three. Recidivism? Yeah, where you do that, where you get the ones who were there before that did the problem before that was a law and make them guilty for it. Whatever that is. I can't think. It's too late at night. You get the idea, though. (laughs) Um, The point is, these people are criminals, and the legislators, yes, the men and women who got elected to Congress, the Senate, all the courts and all the other bullshit, they are just as complicit. I would even go so far as to say that it was a conspiracy to commit massive fraud against the American people, which is punishable in some states by death or at least life in prison. And that's exactly what I pursue as a congressman, as a, a common citizen. If our voice were strong enough to have an army of lawyers right this instant to pursue that, you damn well better believe I would. This is crap. That's why we have problems is because the, the money is in, hand in hand with the lawyers and the legislators who are hand-in-hand with the judicial system, which is hand-in-hand with the executive branch. There are four levels of corruption that are going on in our country right now, and it's despicable that they're getting away with it. And, oh, now we have law enforcement that supports them over the common citizen, as we saw in Mm Apple, as we saw in the No Ban, No walls, we saw in all the other
0: protests. Absolutely. And Occupy. And Occupy. God, cracking skulls of protesters in Occupy.
1: Right. So law enforcement, instead of peace officers bankers writing laws and legislation at the state and local levels. Of course, they're lobbying at the federal level, but I don't think they're quite ad-libbing legislation yet. But never mind, because the legislators themselves are already bought and paid for, and so are the justices, so are the the higher courts. And, of course, governors um, like Scott Walker are profiting off of their own position, and so is Trump, who is profiting every fucking time he goes to Mar-a-Lago and golfs.
0: And from so, all his corporations, which he hasn't divested from and, you know.
1: So Obama giving a $400,000 speech to a banker talking about whatever the hell that's supposed to be endearing to the American people is a bunch of tripe. Um, the fact that he's doing the speech and getting $400,000 doesn't interest me at all. It's the premise of that really irks me.
0: And, you know, the thing with the speech is uh, he, he, he never cares about and look, Obama's a mixed bag. Like, he did a lot of good things, and he did a lot of things that are very disappointing, I think, to me at least, as a progressive, during his time in office. But he never seems to give a shit about the optics of what he does. Like, sure, you can take money to give a speech, whatever. When people are, like, fighting in the streets right now just for a living wage, does he realize how disgusting it looks to take four hundred fucking thousand dollars from... Not even just any bank, like a shady Wall Street bank. Like Google, Google, uh, what's what? Cantor Fitzgerald, they got some shady shit in their past. Like, and <laughs> I mean, and this is the same with like when he was pushing TPP while Hillary Clinton was running, you know, for president, and she. And obviously, she loved TPP. She, you know, campaigned for it 40-something times, called it the gold standard.
2: It's the gold standard.
0: But <laughs> but Bernie forced her left on that because actually, anyone who actually knows about the TPP knows it would have even further decimated American manufacturing and American jobs. Well, never mind the manufacturing
1: aspect. The thing that scared me the most about TPP... Okay, whatever. Here's here's an un, uh, unpopular truth about manufacturing jobs in the United States. They are going to be automated. Why? Because that process of taking object 1 and app- applying it to object 2 so that it goes to object 3 and turns mm-hmm. into something is something that can be automated. What we should be doing is investing in other jobs such as clean energy and infrastructure, Absolutely. but that's a different discussion. The the scary and terrifying thing about TPP would have been the fact that one the internet would have been turned into a cable organization and two net neutrality out the fucking window. That is the one bastion of defense we have left. I mean
0: look We're going to get North that anyway East.
1: now though. Well, we're fighting that too, and we, and if we're not fighting it as well as we should be, our voice should definitely be taking the stand on it, and I will be making it a point in my campaign. But that's the point. Net neutrality is literally the last line of defense we have for freedom of speech and to organize. I mean, let's face it. We get ignored on the MSN. Guess how many times I've called them and been ignored, all right? Um, I was on CNN, and I got ignored for—
0: The entire debate. <laughs>
1: Yeah, the two-and-a-half-hour debate, I got five-and-a-half minutes of airtime. I made it count, but still. Um, We do not have a voice if they don't want you to have one. Now, that's corruption, and that's antithesis to what the First Amendment is supposed to be. But the Internet still gives us a leg to stand on, and we can't afford to lose it. And that's what the TPP promised, is to eliminate that. But not just for the United States of America, for the European Union, for Tokyo, for China, and for all the other countries that would have joined in. Now, sure, are they still trying to attack net neutrality? Fine, they're going to. And they might even get really close to passing it. But just like last time, when net neutrality was threatened, the internet in America at least came and rose to the occasion. Maybe we need some higher profile people to uh, spotlight it. And if I am such a person, I will do my best to do it. But the, the TPP and manufacturing and all that crap, that's that's just the, the tip of the iceberg, the net neutrality and all the other censorship bullshit that would have occurred. Mm, no, 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 That's the real threat.
0: So, I mean, the reason I even bring that up is because she, you know, even though she did support it and we knew she was in favor of it, Bernie pulled her to the left on that because the base didn't want it. So, but she's out there saying she didn't support it and he's out there like days before her election pushing for TPP that looks so bad for the party and for her candidacy not that you know not that i'm like shedding a tear for her but he he just doesn't seem to give a shit about the op. The, and this also speaks to the broader problem of 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 the democrats going away from a 50 state strategy uh, once obama became president because he was great at getting himself reelected but the party fell apart in his eight years i mean we lost a thousand seats in, you know that, in, I, 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 yeah, across state and federal levels, and it's just the party is just in in tatters right now because the, the DNC's totally lost their focus on on actually winning, uh, you know, across all fifty states, and 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 that's to the point. That's what our voice is trying to help do. We like, I mean, you know, maybe you can expound on that a little bit. But what we want to make sure people like James Thompson down in Kansas, who got you know zilch from the DNC. We want to make sure people like that are getting their message out and they're getting the help they need from from other you know from organization like our an organization like our voice because you know he he got shit from the DNC and he almost won a deep red district he came within 7 points of flipping that district and if they'd given him money you know for mailers or for you know uh organizing grassroots stuff like that he might have won i mean you don't know but they they have this mentality That's of don't try would
2: have showed up. I mean <laughs> Obama's yeah. willing to show up for all these random motherfuckers, but he won't show up for somebody who's trying to turn a, a red state blue?
0: Yeah, no, he'll show up for Wall Street, but he's not going to show up for, you know, James Thompson or Rob Quist.
1: And not only that, then I've been, so I, I subscribe to the DCC and the DNC newsletter, which is really irking me because all it is is spam at this point. But these <laughs> assholes have the audacity. Well, no, no, no. Not only have they not supported the guy in Kansas or John Osef or the other guy in uh, Montana or wherever Rob they Quist.
0: are, Rob Quist. Yeah, look that him up, guy. everybody.
1: He's great, by the way.
0: And I'm not trying to be dismissive of the names. It's just I've, there's a lot going on up here right now. No, no, I'm telling. Um, you, I'm telling the listeners just look him up. He, you know, help him out if you he can. He's he's real deal. Right.
1: Well, that's the point. They won't lift a finger to help them, but on every single one of their email blasts, it's, oh, we came so close to winning. Oh, just a little bit more. Oh, John Osif won. Now we can support him. Like, that is the most underhanded, backstabbing bullshit that I've ever seen in my entire life, and it's disgusting. And I brought it up that they only back winning horses. And the problem is, John Osif could have won by a landslide if he had had the support of the party. And Not going for the runoff. Right, And the party being greedy or self-serving or whatever and only helping those that toe their particular line is ludicrous. So, you know, at this point, like, infiltration for the sake of dismantling and dismembering those who are in there is absolutely the way it needs to go because... Politically, not the- not
0: literally dismembering and dismantling.
1: Right. That's that's exactly what I meant. <laughs> no. But he, no, you get the idea, like... <laughs> Reformation is clearly not going to happen because they don't want it. So we need to get in there and remove them from power by force and by force of numbers, by the fact that we're there and they're not. Uh, because, you know, in some states, like I hate to break it to everybody who's listening, you can't run as an independent or Green Party, Ohio being one of them, Indiana, Michigan being some of them. All right. in most of these Western and Southern states, you cannot possibly run as an independent and have a chance of winning. You have to run as a Democrat. And in many cases you have to run as a Republican just to get on the ticket or be taken seriously. And that's the thing. We have to play the game. You wanted my opinion, there it is. We have to get on the ballot, whether it's as an R or a D, and if possible, as an I. But then we need the support structure, and our voice is that support structure. And let's be really clear. Our voice is not trying to take over for Justice Dems or Brand New Congress or Our Revolution. We're trying to bring it together. All Our Voice is trying to be is the brand that everybody recognizes and utilizing the other organizations and their strengths to push forward their uh, agendas with the agreement that if the Justice Dems guy wins, or the BNC guy wins, or the Our Revolution guy wins, that we are all in. That it's not, oh, well, the Justice Dems guy lost, so the Justice Dems is still going to run their own person. No, screw that. We need to start working together, and we need to start doing it now. We can win in 2017. It won't be easy because we're still trying to get our foot in the door and we're still trying to get the ball rolling, but in 2018, here's a newsflash. Here's an understanding, and I think this is something that people need to really understand. Every single congressman in office right now can be replaced, period. Bar none, save none. You can vote out and push out every single congressman who is currently serving, Republican or Democrat. That is a fact. They are up for re-election every two years, I don't give a damn that they're in a gerrymandered district. I don't give a damn that it's going to be hard in your district. No, screw that. Man up, spine up, go out there, do the work, knock on those doors, fundraise, canvas, get on those phone calls or run for office for damn self. You can primary each and every single one of those people in their own party and have the support structure of the entire progressive network, the entire millions of people just like you and me who want to fight back and see real change. But it isn't a magical thing that happens overnight. You have to actually go out there and do it. So let me be clear. Every single one of the congressmen can be reelected. And every single person in your General Assembly, which is the state-level version of Congress, whatever your state calls it, can be reelected. In Ohio, that's 99. And in other states, I think it amounts to several thousand. So we can have a brand-new General Assembly and a brand-new Congress in 2018 with a new third of the senators elected and a new third of governors. If you don't think that's revolutionary, then you're missing the point. Because even if you do violent retribution and you literally kill everybody and shoot everybody, at the end of the day, you are either a despot or a tyrant if you do not hold free elections. So why waste the time and energy in doing violent overthrow when you still have to go through with the election process? Do it now. Get your people elected in the first place. And let's start fighting back now for 2020 and 2022 and
0: 2024 we should stay for the record. We don't support uh, violent overthrow. We support legislative uh, takeovers.
1: Yeah, I thought I made that. <laughs> I thought I made no, that. No,
0: you did. So also, just real quick, talk a little bit about what the app's going to do to help people uh, in terms of resources and things like that and what we're hoping. Oh, by the way, our uh for more information. T- tell everybody a little bit about what uh, we're trying to build with the, with the app we're working on and yeah, the, the, the various things we're undertaking.
1: I'd be happy to. So the app is, and I'm going to kind of read it off the flyer too, and then I'm also going to read it off of our website because I want you all to look and go there and see it for yourself because it's really cool and snazzy. So the Our Voice app is an, uh, to organize, to vote out, corrupt incumbents, connect to organize town hall meetings, run for office and fundraise with the push of a button, a toolbox for voters and politicians so that we can stop lesser evil voting so that we can request town hall meetings, build support for a campaign, break the two-party system, um, start your own campaign, support fellow local progressives with an actual unified campaign strategy, and to connect with local activists, but to also connect with uh, local community organizations and your local artists, including bands and um, the, 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 what do you call those, the performing artists. Now, further on, and this is from the website, um, a directory is separated by state and zip code so that you can find out who your local and your state uh, officials are So that you can see who they are and if you want to go after them, which you probably do <laughs> And to also know who the Our Voice organization with all of their uh, Partnerships endorse to run in that uh, particular race um, You can submit media information union rep information internship contact information and of course how to contact your local bands uh, there will be a canvassing application so that we can get out the vote. But more than that, okay, canvassing right now is are you a Republican, a Democrat, or nonpartisan? That's crap. That doesn't tell you squat. It just tells you which flip of the coin do you uh, you know adhere to. What we're doing is creating a true heat map of the issues, so that we know per or, uh, region and per state and per whatever what the issues are, what matters to the voter most, which is exactly what we should be doing so that we can run campaigns towards that. And there's an an ability for you to sign that form as well. There's a rating system so that you can uh, rate your current representative to include ones that our voice endorsed, got elected, and then we can monitor their progress in office. And then finally, uh, an interactive bill notification, meaning whatever's on the legislative floor, you can find out about. Because the two things that we don't know about is how to get on the ballot in the first place, which is how to get elected. And the second thing is, what the hell is even going on? Now, granted, it might be legal ease, but we can have a way to, you know, Spark Notes it or um, what, what's that uh, <laughs> that funny book? It's um the like
0: Google for idiots or Google for uh, for dummies or whatever. Dummies.
1: There we go. It'll be you know legislative bills for dummies or something like that. So that's what our voice, the application, do. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. That's just the the taste to get you guys and, uh, on board with it. Uh, the rest of what the app can do, that's going to be for you to find out.
0: Awesome. Great. So, um, yeah, again, that's, uh, our voice Uh, you can also follow, uh, along with our voice at, uh, at our USA on Twitter, um, for more information about that. Tom Perez and Bernie Sanders, uh, over the last couple of weeks have been out on a unity tour, um, to unite the party. Uh, apparently, I mean, initially it started as a Bernie Sanders, uh, universal healthcare tour and Tom Perez kind of glommed onto it. But, um, just I was re- going to mention
1: that it was Tom Perez who co-opted Bernie Sanders national tour. Let's be very clear
0: on that. Yeah. But you know, it, it seems like the turnout's about 50, 50 for each person, right? From, from all the clips we've seen from the, uh... <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, 50-50 of the people wanting to boo Tom Perez, which I feel
1: bad for them. I know I wouldn't want to show up to a place where I was likely to get booed at.
0: No, and you know, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. I just want to read a little bit of the, a little bit of the, uh, CNN's recap of the tour, uh, so people have a better understanding of what we're talking about here. Um, <laughs> the DNC's Unity Tour, uh, headlined jointly by party chairman Tom Perez and Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders, has gotten off to a rocky start. From the Come Together and Fight Back Tours kickoff rally uh, in Maine on Monday, uh, Democrats witnessed that old habits die hard. When the leader of the Maine Young Democrats asked the crowd what brought them to the rally, the audience erupted in Bernie cheers. Uh, The leaders followed up by asking, maybe you came because you were curious about the new DNC chairman and the future of democratic politics. And the crowd cut her off with booze. (laughs) (laughs) Things moved downhill quickly from there. During a joint interview on uh, MSNBC with Chris Hayes on Tuesday night, Sanders said he does not even consider himself a Democrat. I'm an independent, Sanders affirmed. The self-identified Democratic Socialist serves in the Senate as an independent, although he caucuses with the Democrats and ran in the Democratic presidential primary last election cycle. After his defeat in the primary, he endorsed Democratic nominee Hillary Clinton and campaigned for her. Uh, on Monday, Sanders kicked off the red state tour with Perez, who narrowly defeated Sanders' uh, preferred choice for the job, Keith Ellison, in Minnesota. Uh, this is this is kind of the important chunk here. Perez and Sanders, uh, Perez and Sanders' differences were somewhat apparent in the Tuesday interview. Uh, on healthcare, <laughs> Sanders called the Med- of care, call, uh, Let me start that over. On health Sanders called for a Medicare for all approach. Uh, Perez stopped short of endorsing that policy while saying he believed health care should be a right. Health care is absolutely a right in this country, or should be, Perez said. We believe that as Democrats, Republicans don't appear to believe that. Uh, Sanders also rallied against the ruling class and said voters needed to hear that. Your greed is destroying this country, and you know what? We're going to take you on, Sanders said. Asked about that same message, Perez demurred and said that the Democrats needed to campaign on hope, And later called it a false choice. So uh, glad they really worked out the messaging before they went into this interview. Uh, When we put hope on the ballot, Chris, we win. Uh, Another one of Perez's greatest hits. Uh, He went on on to attack President Donald Trump's economic message. Donald Trump's vision for America is a vision for the top 1% of the 1%, Perez said. Part of what we do is expose the fraud of Donald Trump. No, that's pretty much all that you do, Tom Perez. Uh, Perez also raised eyebrows in earlier solo rallies after he began began including profanity as a new staple of his anti-Trump speech. Uh, The chairman now regularly uses a phrase that drew uh, major attention at a stump speech in March. Republicans don't give a shit about people. So, I just want to get your thoughts on this because it... What what do you think the point of this tour from Bernie's perspective was? Because he didn't really have to say yes, but he seems to acquiesce to a lot of things that, you know, are questionable in, in, in the name of unity. When it, it seems like every time he does, he kind of gets a knife in the, in, in the back for his troubles. I mean, after this tour and after just kind of highly, you know, being on MSNBC, highlighting the differences... It almost seemed like there was a concerted effort in the media to kind of, you know, they had the knives out for Bernie. Like the Post wrote, Washington Post wrote a story, uh, Bernie Sanders' strange behavior. Also, there, another guy on Slate wrote this fu- stupid fucking story. Bernie Sanders' new podcast is a hit on iTunes. Also, it's awful. <laughs> wow. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to read. Th- I, I, I highlighted some key quotes for it, but it's just, it's just, it's just total hack, you know, journalism. <laughs> It, it really almost seems like after that whole kind of debacle on MSNBC and the fact that Bernie would basically said that he wasn't super thrilled about John Ossoff, or not even that he wasn't thrilled about him. He, he somebody asked him if he was sufficiently progressive. He's like, oh, I don't know, you know, some Democrats are Democrats and they're just not progressive, which is a perfectly acceptable response to being asked about John Ossoff, you know, do your own research on him. But, um, and, and like immediately after that, he was just attacked in the media. So, why does Bernie keep uh, giving in to the, the Democrats when it seems like they really just want to, you know, tokenize him and use his base but not actually adopt any of his policies? Like, why do you think that is? And maybe he plans
2: on running again. Yeah, but,
0: like... I mean, do, I, I, do you think it's just just to make sure he doesn't get monkey-wrenched again? I mean, in the primaries? Is that, like... Cause I don't well, let's be candid. Yeah. if you, uh, By running again, I don't believe you meant running for senator. I believe you meant running for president, correct, Adrian?
2: Obviously, because he's already elected.
0: Well, no, well, he, his, his re-election is coming, up, coming up. up. But he's not going to lose in Vermont. I mean, that's not even a...
1: Well, I, I don't disagree. But what I'm saying is... Um, they are going to screw him over again. And if he continues to run as, as a Democrat in anything, they are going to continue to undermine him, as we have seen. That is the MO of the Democratic Party right now. If you are not cookie cutter what we want you to be, you're fucked. And we are not going to help you. <laughs> and we're going to go out of our way to blacklist you. That's what they do. Right? Unless you win and start giving them money, then it's like, oh, well, we'll just use you for as far as we can. So that's what I'm hoping happens to me. <laughs> is when I win the primary, then they're like, oh, well, we'll give you money. Great. Well, are you going to? No. Are- no. But no. And then when I win the general, I am going to raise on holy hell. So I think Bernie Sanders is trying to maybe do that. But at the same time, like you said, he didn't have to say yes. He didn't have to agree to it. Um, this is where the conspiracy theory comes into play. And I'll be happy to mention it, especially since you have the Bernie Sanders poster on your back wall, Anthony. Um I think they got something on him. I don't know what, and it might not be on him personally. It might be on someone close to him, but why else would he now all of a sudden allow himself to be used like this? And especially having his message lambasted and and taken from him, it's also negatively impacting his base, his own supporters. Um, they're getting annoyed by it. I mean,
0: it's, it's just annoying at this point. Like what the fuck are you doing, Bernie? Like exactly. And
1: if Bernie Sanders was going to do fight for 15 or something like that, um, Or, I mean, I'm sorry, no, no, no. If he was going to start his own party, that's what I I saw $15 because my job, by the way, (laughs) I'm a working stiff, by the way. Like, I know exactly what everybody's going through. Um, I've been living off of the economy for the past two years now. And I can speak firsthand from saying how much it sucks. Like, to everybody who was not in the military before, y'all are the real MVPs. Or those of you who got a job right out of college, like, Kudos, because getting a real job and doing real work in this country and trying to make a living off of it is ludicrous. So anyway, back to Bernie. Um, the unity tour is certainly not solving or, or succeeding in its purpose of unifying. If anything, it's just drawing greater al- uh, lines in the sand. And the fact of the matter is, I said it on national television. Tom Perez is not going to be a unifier. He is going to cause divide and a permanent divide because he cannot be trusted by the moderates or the, um, the progressives. Or even the moderates, for that matter. Or anyone. Or anyone. And that's going to be a problem. And it is going to be a knife in the back of the DNC. And we are seeing it. Now, all the other allegories and metaphors aside, you know, a bird shitting on his shoulder. People (laughs) killing him. (laughs) What have you. He's only proving my point. And it's not that I have anything against Tom Perez. Let me be very clear. I like Tom Perez as a person. I had many great conversations with him. I don't know if he thinks highly of me, but (laughs) um, I have nothing against the man. In fact, I still, to this day, I, Samuel Ronan, would happily work with or for the DNC in supporting them in the direction they need to go. Nothing short of that. Um, I absolutely would drag them by the cuff of their neck and force them to the door of progressivism, if that's what it takes. But that's probably why um, I'm looking at my missed calls list, and uh, I'm not seeing seeing Tom Perez. You're seeing Tom Perez?
0: uh, Nancy
1: <laughs> Pelosi. Oh, wait. No, no, no. What? No, oh, speaking
0: of Nancy Pelosi, by the <laughs> way, she just got a uh, primary challenger in California, Stephen Jaffe. Look him up. He's, uh...
1: Oh. Yeah. And not only that. So let's take the whole unity to our side and let's take all the idiocy that the Democratic Party could have ever done with the elections, the primaries, and everything else. Mm-hmm. Since when did it become okay to sacrifice your convictions and values? Um, Nancy Pelosi, and, quote... There is room for the Democratic Party for pro-lifers. No. Ah. No. Um, the stance of the Democratic Party is to be pro-choice. Because that choice, as horrible as it might be to make, is one that needs to be made between a woman and her doctor. and Maybe even the woman and the, and the father, but ultimately it's the woman's choice. And that's exactly what it's about. Women's choice. The choice of doing what you need to do with your body. And here's the second thing. Those... There, there isn't a word in English or German or Latin that I know that can describe the absolute disgust I feel towards the lawmakers that passed a law. Passed the law, might I add and emphasize. And I believe it was in Mississippi that said even if a woman have a miscarried fetus, i.e., a dead thing that is, like, dead and doing all the stuff dead things do. Oh, the fetus funeral? Yeah. <laughs> Right. No, no, not even the fetus funeral. That they must carry that fetus to term and oh, then
0: bear. Unbelievable.
1: It. First Bye. of all, you're going. You're the, the necrosis. That's the word. That mm-hmm. is going to cause necrosis and and the host, which is a woman, which is a fucking person, i.e., an American goddamn citizen. You're threatening her life because of your misguided idiocy about what the concept of life is when science has proven time and time again that there's a difference between an embryo and a fetus. And, and a baby, uh, that whole discussion notwithstanding the fact that you are forcing a woman to keep something that is dead, whatever the dead thing is, in their body against their will, that's against body autonomy. Like, I don't know how much more of an assault on someone's personal rights you could take than that. Mm-hmm. It's disgusting. So Nancy Pelosi, You are dead-ass wrong if you think you can open the doors to that bullshit. And I will tell that to your face.
2: Well, you have to note it something. It's always people who can't have babies who are making these fucking rules. Like, Nancy Pelosi doesn't have to worry about having a miscarriage right now. How old is she? Like, (laughs) 75? I don't even know. You know what I mean, though? It's always, like, these men or elderly women who don't have to worry about this shit.
0: Yeah, I think Pence was sure actually not, the first well. one who who, when he was governor, tried to do the the, the baby the fetus funeral uh, law. I don't know that it actually passed or not, but he proposed that. But who was I mean, that? Pence, our our, our current president. fucking vice president. Oh, oh, oh uh,
2: you know, but Sam's governor, um, Kasich over there has some pretty fucking horrible views about women and um and um.
0: Oh, he does abortion. Yeah, yeah all yeah. the demon Kasich,
2: in Ohio.
0: Kasich, the one all the idiots say, oh, he's moderate, he's really even. No, he's horrible. He just hides it really well. He, he's got the same garbage. But no, no, no. Yep. what
1: Kasich is, is the only fucking adult in the You know what? I, I failed at not using the F word. I That's apologize. fine.
0: Um,
1: Kasich is the only adult in the room among the far right extremists. He's the only one who tries to have an adult discussion while still spouting the most heinous filth and mm-hmm. arbitrary horseshit that you could possibly imagine. The reason why uh, law enforcement in this in this state has had such a massive uptick in in activity is because he slashed state funding to every single municipality in the state, which has negatively impacted the most poor cities in our country or in our state. On top of the chartergate scandal, which is basically taking public dollars, my taxes, giving it to charter schools, which. Are insured also by the state, mm-hmm. so that if they fail, they get additional tax dollars. And guess what? None of that money goes back to public schools; it just goes into the pockets of the wealthy. I may as well start a charter school, get six million dollars, let it fail within thirty days, and get another six million dollars.
0: That's and good thing. Good thing Betsy DeVos is in office now because she's going to try to institute that nationwide as much as possible. And oh, good...
1: and to make God the uh, and Bible. The the, the freaking oh great. yeah. Here's the thing, uh, if you look at my dog tags, if I go overseas and get killed tomorrow for my country, which you know I'm happy to to serve, um, but my dog tags that'll be stuck in between my cold corpse uh, teeth and my cold corpse will say Roman Catholic. I was baptized, born in Germany. Guess what? You're Catholic, or like it's 99 percent Catholic over there. It's whatever. Um, so when I talk about the fact that the church should not be taught in schools as public education, um, there is a huge block of my own history coming from that. And it's not not that I have anything against Christianity or or Catholicism, but I seem to recall there was this this thing, I I think it was a piece of paper called the um, Constitution, and I think there was like this Bill of Rights thing, maybe? And the First Amendment in it, I think, had something along the lines of, Separation of church and fucking state. There's a reason for it, because if you open the doors to Christianity, you must open the doors to Judaism, Hindu, Buddhism, Islam, which, of course, this country loses its shit over hearing those words and every other uh, religion out there. Now, not that I think it would be a bad thing to bring Norse mythology back. Into the school system so that you can have a, a horn of ale and a battle axe at all things. I mean, hey, I bet a lot less people will talk shit if you can have an axe in between the ears or you're drunk the entire time. But, you know, that being said, uh, it's this right wing, you know, what would Republican Jesus do? Christianity that is, I think, really negatively impacting much of our country because it's, it's selling a, a product, wrapping it in religion and patriotism, and it's really fascism.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so can carry on the podcast. Sorry, guys. Like I said, I'm a working stiff now. I got to pay the bills. I cannot just live off of, you know, my savings. <laughs> but hopefully when I'm elected into Congress, that won't be a problem. Um, but thank you, Anthony and Adrian, for having me. Uh, I look forward to hearing the rest of this podcast when uh, it launches and goes live.
0: Okay, Sam, thank you for joining us. And we will uh, do this again next week for you. So yeah, I mean Adrian, what you know, and the crazy thing is you, we have people like Cory Booker who you know, is a supposed progressive, but he is like Betsy DeVos's like golfing buddy. He like that he he speaks at her he used to speak at her conference every year. He loves charter schools. He gets so much money from uh, you know, charter schools to push that agenda and that false choice, quote unquote, of school choice. So it's like well, we can't trust the the progressives and the Democrats to to have our backs about this and not funnel our tax dollars into these schools that have no standards. Like, who the hell can we trust? You know, it's it's insane.
2: Well, I mean, I don't personally. I don't consider Cory Booker a progressive. No, I I just, I, I, don't
0: don't know, I say that but facetiously. What's progressive about him? Not
2: yeah, I mean, what what is, what's done that's progressive? Maybe I don't know about something that he's done that's progressive. But I mean, as far as I can tell. The guy's not progressive.
0: <laughs> he likes to pretend that he is, though. He he certainly loves to act like he's you know he has a bit of a hero complex. Uh, you know he he loves to be on you know the the local news running into burning buildings. But when it comes to passing uh, cheaper drug bills, like bills to get us uh, drugs cheaper from Canada, he fucks us over because he gets three hundred thousand dollars from the from the drug industry. So
2: and I mean, did he go? Did he go after Chris Christie?
0: No, he's fine. He he was too, he, last week. He was like buddy buddy with him. I, like he, I. Right. It's just ugh. I, you know. But no, I, real quick, I want to get your your take on the the whole the Bernie in the Unity Tour thing. What 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 is Bernie thinking? Because, I, I, to me at least, it's it's like he might just be posturing, you know, for twenty twenty and and trying to make it. He's got to realize at this point that they're gonna fuck him over again because they they're never gonna change as currently constituted. What do you, what? Well,
2: here's the thing: it it doesn't matter what he does. Like you know how when Trump, I used to say when Trump was running in the primary that his his campaign strategy is no publicity is bad publicity because yeah. that seemed to be what you know worked for him. Mm-hmm. You know that was Salvador Dali's whole thing. Um, <laughs> but. Um, I don't know. Yeah, my thought is, is that the only thing that makes sense to me is the reason why he would do this is because he's going to run again, and he's, he knows he has to play ball with the Democratic Party, so he's playing ball. Now, they can say whatever they want about him. He's still being voted poll after poll as the most popular um, uh, person in Congress. So, you know, they can keep they can keep writing. You know, the Washington Post does nothing but slander him. I mean, I, that's what they did during the primary. I'm really not surprised to hear they're doing it again. That's kind of their M.O., let let them talk. It doesn't seem to speak to the people, you know. Mm-hmm. And now he doesn't really need the DNC. He he's so popular and so well known now that he they can't do to him what they did in the past. They I,
0: can't. I hope so, and I and I genuinely think I I just do worry that that they're gonna still do whatever they can to to monkey wrench his his campaign. I, I think, like you said, he, I mean, has a sixty percent He has a sixty percent approval rating. If he decides to run he's winning the primary like let's be real yeah they can do whatever they want they can try to slander his supporters uh, you know if cory booker runs instead of instead of uh, you know Hillary oh. Clinton, they'll, they'll instead of sexist bernie bros it'll be racist bernie bros they'll fucking find some new thing to slander his supporters with even though he has 73 percent support among african-americans that's actually his largest largest block of support is among african-americans his lowest is among oh, white men. So this whole Bernie bros narrative oh, is fucking know. bullshit. So it's was,
2: it was, it was always bullshit. I mean, I, I worked on his campaign and I did canvassing for him and he was super popular in the Latino community. Yeah. I just have to say that. And then also Absolutely. I, did, um, I did some African American communities here in Brooklyn. I did knocking on doors and he was very, very popular there. You know, I mean, of course it was all Democrat territory. So it was great. great. Everybody was either Hillary or Bernie. So it was wonderful. Um, so that was fun to canvass
0: so the Hillary people didn't run you off with a gun like they did?
2: I think that guy was a Trump guy, the guy who threatened me in California. I'm pretty sure he must have been a Trump guy, because who else is going to threaten two women like that? Well, yeah, Sam uh, was
0: telling stories about how he got ran off when he was canvassing by people with guns, but I assume those were mostly Trump voters.
2: Oh, I thought you were referring to my story Oh, no, I I guess everybody has has a story of getting run
0: off with a gun when canvassing (laughs)
2: <laughs> I mean, the guy didn't have a gun, but I was worried he might have. Because <laughs> oh, um, in California, you're allowed to have guns out there. You know, it's not like New York where nobody's got guns.
0: Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I, I, you know, know, I
2: I don't know what's you know, I don't know what Sanders' motivation is. You know, I really, truly can't even speak to it. I, you know, I mean, the only thing I yeah, the only thing I could possibly think of. Is that he's he's planning to run again. He's gonna run as a Democrat so that he can actually get out there. And now he knows he's got the support and the name recognition. The problem with the prime the last primary is nobody knew who the hell he was before the some of the races. Like in New York, for example, people didn't know who Bernie was before the deadline to change over to, to change parties. That's true. So because in New York you have to do it six the prior calendar year and Sanders didn't even in, have infrastructure here yet I remember yelling at them at the Bernie office in Brooklyn going guys I needed you here back in October
0: which is total voter you suppression know, but- by the way, the way the way the way New York's laws are set up where you can't oh. vote in the primaries if you're an independent and you have to change your party affiliation six months before and that's the sort of shit that when people say the DNC rigged the primary they fought uh, uh, Bernie supporters had a uh, had a lawsuit going in New York. That that would have opened the primaries before the primary voting, and that and then the DNC really helped out, right. helped get that shot down because they didn't want any independents voting in the primary. If God forbid, people right. outside of our bubble get to, you know,
2: which is ridiculous. Because That's if it. they, I guarantee you that if they would have expanded voting in, in lots of different states that Hillary lost in, yeah. she would have won. Yeah, because so many people had so much spite for being suppressed. You know, I mean, I, like I said, I did some knocking on doors in um, Brooklyn and I got to tell you that was, Brooklyn was very strong Sanders territory. This is exactly why voters were purged that, you know, those 250 K voters that were purged in, um,
0: on the Brooklyn, back walls. in the primary, yeah. like
2: Eric. Yeah. Yeah. Eric T. Schneiderman did a, um, an investigation, which by the way, I think he's going to run for something soon enough because he's doing so much work. He's mm-hmm. doing a lot of good work. So that's great. Yeah. Um, I think that's the reason why Brooklyn was purged. I mean, that's my conspiracy theory. If, if uh, Sam's allowed to give his, you know, <laughs> there's mine. <laughs> so I'm excited because I don't, think, I don't think they can do it to Bernie anymore. Like, the, the media blackout won't matter anymore because everybody knows him now. Before, yeah. nobody knew who, he, who the hell he was. Now everybody knows him. Everybody loves him back, too. I mean, you don't know how many times I heard from Republicans and people who voted for Trump yeah, I, I I'm voting for Trump,
0: but I like Bernie. I have relatives that like like are are people I work with that are fairly conservative that are like yeah you know he's 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 real he, he talks about shit I care about he's you know he he, he gen- I feel like he genuinely wants to help people and that's why like it's not a myth why Bernie Sanders is the most popular politician in America it's because he speaks to issues that people care about things that poll at sixty seventy eighty percent. And he genuinely gives a shit. He doesn't give lip service. He doesn't give, you know, like canned lines. Like when we go, when they go low, we go high. He doesn't say any of that shit. Um, Did you (laughs) see that story? (laughs) Yeah, no. I mean, did you see that story last week where he wouldn't, uh, uh, Hillary wanted him to give like a campaign speech and he was like, I'm I'm not going to say I'm with her. That's ridiculous. That doesn't sound like me at all. (laughs)
2: No, I didn't hear that, but that's great. Oh, one thing I wanted to say about the Unity tour, but I didn't get a chance to say say much there, um, was you know maybe when um, Tom Perez they didn't even mention his name, but when they mentioned the new DNC chair and people started booing, you know I wonder if some people were just saying "boo -er Earns," you know that old (laughs) (laughs) Simpson (laughs) joke.
0: That's great. Um, Maybe he did have some
2: supporters.
0: They were just saying boo words. Yeah, yeah, no, they were cheering him. That's that's, whatever he has to tell himself to sleep at night, you know. Um, No, but, you know, and the the other thing, and this is kind of my conspiracy theory about why he's doing it, when you look at his face, and Jimmy Dore did a great video about this, kind of just pausing (laughs) on Bernie's expressions while Tom Perez is just hanging himself with his own rope verbally. He, yeah, he's not happy. He's not like, oh yeah, I agree with the uh, with what Tom said. He's like this. He's sitting there like scowling, like, uh, like like Waldorf and Statler from the Muppets. He's like this. This motherfucker doesn't have a clue. Like he's still. I went on tour with him. I you know I took him out. I people cheered me. They booed his policies, and he still doesn't have a clue. I really think it might have been a, a roundabout way of just putting the two ideologies front and center and saying, look. This is what the fucking base wants. Like, you know, in in the, uh, I think it was in the yeah. Post. In the Post article, they were like, oh, well, you know, clearly they, they a Sanders supporters overwhelmed the uh, attendance at this thing. Uh, how do you know that? It could have just been regular Democrat. The Democratic base supports single-payer health care by fucking 80%. 80%. And you have people like Diane Feinstein in her town hall saying, well, uh, I, you know, uh, well, Bernie, uh, what, like what Bernie wants is a, Go, total takeover of government, and, and she gets booed. You think that's all, like, Bernie supporters that show up? No, it's her constituents. It's Democrats. When you, when you oppose... No, and the
2: same thing happens at Republican town halls. I forgot whose I saw recently, but I...
0: There was a bunch, yeah. ...get it
2: really bad from his constituents about single-payer. Uh, single yeah. And, Everybody's fighting really hard for single-payer right now.
0: Yeah, and, and honest, and from the Democrats, it, this is a no-brainer. If you are not supporting single-payer and you yeah. are a Democratic politician... You need to get the fuck out of office, because when you don't support something that 80% of your base vociferously supports, you are working against your base. You are working against the interests and the will of your voters. I mean, and and this is the thing that really kind of, like, heartens me about about 2018. When you get a guy like Stephen Jaffe running against uh, Nancy Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi refuses to support single payer, and... Gets, yep. I think one of the highest dollar amounts from the healthcare industry. It's something like she got something like four hundred thousand dollars for her last. Uh, you know, go to OpenSecrets.com. You can look all this shit up. It's a really useful website. Um, yeah. When you don't support something that eighty percent of the of your base supports, you are going to get hammered like crazy in the primaries on that issue, and you are going to lose. So I know you love. So. Yeah. And I, I like, I know you guys, you know, you love your corporate donor money and you love this money that you're getting. That money's not going to be there when you're not in office anymore. So just now that Twitter exists, they, okay. I'm sorry. What were you going to say?
2: No, I was just going to say that money can't vote for you.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, they, 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 but you know what the thing is? They have such an antiquated way of thinking. They used to be able to get away with this shit 20 years ago, 10 years ago, even before Twitter was a big thing. We wouldn't have even known Cory Booker voted against that prescription drug bill. Now Now, everything they do is under a microscope, as it should have been, but we just didn't have the access to it. Now we know every little piece of legislation that you vote on. So if we see that you're voting in favor of your donors and against the will of your base and the interests of the American people, we're going to vote you the hell out of office. So you need to get your heads around that. And understand that in the modern social media and Twitter age, you can't hide behind things like that anymore. You need to actually, su- uh, you know, support the positions that your base supports, or we're going to vote you out, and that's just what's going to happen.
2: Yeah, and the problem is, it's like we've got to stop having these polit, these career politicians. I mean, here in the local Senate, you got people like Senator Laval, and that might be too obscure. Senator Golden, you know, these might be too obscure references for everybody else, but. But what about Nancy Pelosi and Diane Feinstein? I mean, these people need to give it to somebody else now. Come on.
0: Yeah, I mean, they're, they're dinosaurs. Come on, Ch-
2: Chucky, you know? Let somebody else have the fucking job for crying out loud. Seriously. That's why they're so out of touch.
0: Seriously. And that's one good thing actually Trump talked about was having term limits if for, for, for congressmen. last time. Yeah. Um, yeah,
2: we desperately need that. I mean...
0: And it's just, I mean, it just
2: sucks because if somebody's doing a great job, we might want to keep them in. Like, you know, in Vermont, people love Bernie because he's doing a great job. I mean, granted, he hasn't been doing it as long as Laval has or, or, um, what's her name, Pelosi has, but my goodness.
0: No, but yeah, I mean, to your point, yeah, that—that that's true. It's a double edged sword because there are good politicians in there who serve their constituents and serve their base who, uh, you know, would be negatively affected by that law. I think the the real thing, the key now is just make sure we all stay informed and we follow mm-hmm. these politicians and, and make sure that they're serving our interests. And if they don't, we need to find uh, suitable primary opponents and vote them out of office. And eventually yeah. we'll have a majority and we won't have to, you know, the ones who are still there will either fall in line or they'll get voted out. And we won't have to worry about this. I mean, that's I think that's the goal. And now that we have so much information access to information at our fingertips that's gonna be a lot easier to do
2: yeah well we need to get more millennials to vote i mean you know honestly i have a lot of friends who are like i don't pay attention to politics and i just said well then you don't have control of what's gonna happen
0: yeah and but you know what i i almost I like and i've always made a made it a point to vote because i think it's you know a civic responsibility but we in the past have not given people a reason to vote and that's the biggest problem is that you have people who are just so uninspiring and who you know i mean you've heard it your entire life probably oh it doesn't matter who which party wins we're going to get fucked we you know they don't serve our interests we need to inspire people it's not
2: untrue
0: it's not untrue and yeah. democrats have i mean for years have just done all they can to put forth uninspiring corporate candidates who don't excite people because they don't serve anyone's interest. The The biggest voter turnout in years were, was for Barack Obama in 2008 when he ran on a progressive populist yeah. message. And, you know, I mean, he largely betrayed that populism, but... Th- sure did. But that should have taught them that it wasn't because he was charismatic, and, it, you know, partly it was because he was charismatic, but the reason people turned out for him was because of the stuff he was talking about. He was saying but all if the if I way- remember...
2: Didn't he attack Hillary Clinton on single payer? Yeah, he attacked if Hillary If I Clinton. remember correctly.
0: He, he also, which is laughable now considering what happened during his presidency, went after uh, like yep. the NSA and like spying and all that stuff. And he was like, oh, well, you huh? know, the Patriot Act is a gross overreach of surveillance. And Like he talked about, I mean, the Barack Obama of 2008, I would have voted for again. Like if he ran like... The Barack Obama of 2016, I wouldn't vote for if he had a gun to my head because we've seen, you know, his. I don't know if it was his true colors or just what the office did to him, but I, for, for some reason, you know, being in office, just he abandoned his progressive ideals. But he used to be real progressive. I mean, you read his book, Audacity of Hope. He talks about, like, being around all these donors. And, like, I, I, there was this great quote. is was going around. It made made the rounds on Twitter the other day. About how, you know, they were, they were nice people, but he just felt like they just had not a clue as to what the concerns of real people were. And talking about rich Democratic donors, and like, what the hell happened to that guy? I'd love to know. But, um,
2: well, I mean, I gotta be honest with you, I did not support him in 2008 because when I heard him talking, I was like, oh, this guy is way too inexperienced. He's not gonna be able to fight special interests. Yeah. That's what, what my thought was. And I voted for Nader instead. I believe Nader was running that year, wasn't he? I don't remember.
0: Yeah, I believe so. But I
2: voted for something
0: else. But um, I did
2: not vote for Barack Obama in 2008. I did, however, vote for him in 2012. I did fall for it.
0: <laughs> but I mean, because uh,
2: cause they scared me with Romney. You know, that whole religious bullshit scared the shit out of me.
0: <laughs> well, would have been magic underwear for everybody if Romney had won, but.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, you know, somebody that much of a religious zealot scares the shit out of me as a woman. You know what I mean? Sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely, for good reason. But I mean, you know, Barack Obama I mean, side.
2: Now wouldn't you beg for Mitt Romney? To Trump? <laughs> like, but with Trump in office, well, you we got Mitt Romney we got... now.
0: We, you know, if we had Mitt Romney, we might have been able to preserve Obamacare since it was the same fucking plan. So we might have been able to preserve I our might healthcare. Be able to
2: get single payer. <laughs> See, I think we could use his whole religion against him to get single payer. You know, care for people, the sick, blah blah blah. Like he actually might do that.
0: <laughs> well, if we're gonna take out religious hypocrisy, I don't know that we can actually. Uh, that's a battle we might not win. I mean, there, there there are battles we can win and battles we can't. But uh, that's a whole another whole another conversation. Um, but, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we, we just we talked about yeah. a lot. So, we talked about a lot. Um, we're going to try to do these every week and uh, just talk about one or two, uh, you know, pressing topics that uh, are on our minds and, you know, get Sam's take. Uh, we also want to line up some interviews. Uh, so, I've been talking to a few people online. Uh, I actually have been in contact with Stephen Jaffe. So, I'm going to hopefully uh, be, uh, get an interview with him uh, in the next oh. couple of weeks for the podcast and uh yeah so just check back with us uh remember to rate review and subscribe on itunes uh share it uh tell your friends uh again our website is our the our again our website is ourvoiceinitiative.org. uh you can find me on twitter at uh at a m-o-n-t-e-r-u-l-o that's a Monterulo on twitter uh adrian you're not a big twitter user right
2: uh, no, I
0: think mine.
2: Mine is Stan, Sanders still from yeah. my my Bernie days. <laughs>
0: <laughs> at Sanders still on Twitter. Uh, Sam is at Ronin four, the number four. At Ronin four progress. And again, uh, follow our voice at ourvoiceusa.com. Uh, and if you want to help us out, you know, go to ourvoiceinitiative.org. There are volunteer opportunities, internship opportunities. We need as much help as possible because we want to make sure this thing grows and uh gets to the level where we can affect real change at the national level and at all levels and at the state level the fed the uh you know the community level so ourvoiceinitiative.org for that and uh yeah you hope know, you join us next week